Welcome to Relationships in Recovery, a podcast that goes beyond storytelling and provides uncensored and vulnerable shares with insights into the world of sobriety and some of the biggest reasons for relapse, which is sex, love, and relationships. My name is Eve Milford, and I am your sober sexologist. This podcast has been inspired from my own journey of substance addiction and the many years I've studied sex, love, and relationships. And I'll be sharing with you how to navigate intimacy, boundaries, rejection, sex, love, and so much more, all whilst living a life in sobriety and recovery. So come along with me and let's do this. Welcome, welcome to another episode. Oh, it's been a lot going on for me. Uh, I'm sure everyone is feeling the same, especially as we're nearing the end of the year and we're all looking at the fuck did I do and what didn't I do? Uh, and so here we are. Um, that wonderful time where we reassess and, and just take a little look at what happened for us throughout the year. So I actually am um, completing my study for men's sacred sexuality. So I've been doing a lot of that, uh, which means I've been coaching men and uh, getting my portfolio ready for uh, it to be assessed. So just a little bit, just a very little bit of what I've been up to. But without further ado, let's move on to the episode today. Uh, And this is something that I have spoken about many times in uh, other episodes. And this is all about trust and betrayal and how, how exactly do we come back from that? Uh, And I have spoken about it a few times. I've spoken about my own experiences of going through the grieving process and also, you know, it's, it's, it's heartbreak, essentially it's heartbreak, but how do we start to put our heart back in? How do we start putting our trust back in and uh, redefining what that looks like to us? Like what comes from that? And, you know, it's that thing where people say, uh, you know, you always learn from your mistakes and everything like that. But like, I guess my question is, do we, is that actually something that is, a conscious part of what we do or do we just skip over it and blame somebody else for the mistrust and this isn't to say that anyone's to blame not blaming the self I will be talking about rebuilding self-trust because I think that's a huge part and I definitely have had to do that and I still do that to this very day uh, because I make decisions sometimes that are on the spur at the moment and um and I don't really listen to the trust. Sometimes I just do it because I feel like this is this is it. This is the way that it needs to go right now. And ultimately, you know, I do take a lot of risks. I have taken a lot of risks um, in this year, actually, <laughs> thinking about that. And um, some of them I would do all over again and others maybe not. Uh, but does that put self does that do something to my my self-trust and you know and all of those things so but the one thing that there's a couple of things here that I'm going to talk about that may not have been spoken about too freely before and one of the points that I do want to talk about is regaining trust after addiction so if you have been in a 12-step program or you've, you know, I'm sure other other programs do it as well. 
you have to do that. You have to look at your own stuff. You have to look at the betrayal from both sides, the betrayal from others and the betrayal from self when we're doing our inventory. And that can really put a lot, you know, when we actually have it recorded, written down, or in a spreadsheet that you took far too long <laughs> creating because you were procrastinating, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> then, you know, once you see it there in front of you, it, it, you really can see that there's maybe dilemmas within relationships. There's been ruptures that need to be healed or uh, to be liberated and an amends to be made. And, you know, that is, a, that is part of rebuilding trust in that space. And I can certainly say that for me there was um, some lying involved and I don't think there was anything hurtful. Um, maybe I didn't tell the tr- truth in its full glory. I may have tweaked a few things. And I can say I don't feel like right now that there was anything that was major that was a huge element of that. Of course, there is the element of not speaking up about wanting to drink or drinking or maybe not realising, and this is where the, the trust is completely lost, realising within ourselves that there is a reason to, you know, need to stop, to stop the addiction or the uh, the alcohol, the drugs or whatever it is, whatever it may be. And I just feel like this is a really good place as well talking, you know, because I, I do get a fair amount of people who are in relationships with uh, addicts and, and alcoholics and, and they do reach out to me quite often and say how helpful this is to listen to the perspective, I guess, of someone who has is in recovery, um, but also who is an expert in sex and relationships, and perhaps why the behaviours are the way they are. So I think this is a great part in all of that because this is about recreating trust within a relationship, perhaps uh, a romantic relationship or. Um, you know, any family or friendships. So a lot of my friendships fell on the wayside and that's mainly due to pretty toxic things that were happening and that came to light in my sobriety and weren't essentially my doing but maybe was, like primarily. Uh, And so, you know, I didn't get to, I got to make an amends to some of them but it, of course, you know, for anyone who is or has been in the 12-step program, you know, and understand that it's the willingness to do that. And, I, you know, I certainly have that, especially as I've evolved over these years uh, and, you know, really can see my part in some of the things that I did. Uh, and so, you know, when we, look at, when we look at that, it can be a big shift that occurs. 
and um, maybe a bit of, you know, you have to go through that whole shame stuff. <laughs> no, I was talking about shame before. Um, and so, yeah, really sitting in the, in the shame of that and what that looks like. So healing from that. But, you know, gaining from it relationships that, that really are pretty, I want to say the word superior, but I don't think that's the right word, but, you know, a lot a lot more superior than, than what they were anyway with, you know, beautiful souls that really do align with your actions. And, um, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. I'm going to talk about regaining trust after addiction and I'll be talking about re- regaining our trust with ourselves as well. There's so much more that I could talk about, uh, but I, <clears throat> I realised that they're, you know, they're really, these are really big topics and, um, you know, maybe I'll break them down even more so they maybe become their own episode. So we're going to kick off with uh, that regaining trust after addiction because it is it is huge. Now, again, lots of different nuances to this because it could be that the couple are both in recovery. It could be that one's in recovery, one isn't and doesn't have an issue or, a, you know, substance use disorder. It could be that, uh, one, you know, one's, they both have a substance use disorder, but one is in recovery and the other person isn't. So, you know, there's there's so many different nuances to it. And, um, you know, one thing that I, that I have heard and learnt from uh, doing the Gottman Addiction Recovery course is that, for couples is that um it's people have been told that when you're in if you're a couple that are um both in recovery that you should just do your recovery on your own and um therapy comes later however it's actually really beneficial if therapy happens at the same time as being in recovery Because, well, number one, there's no end date to recovery. It's not like, oh, after a year. Because, like, you know, I get the whole year thing. I get that, absolutely, if you're single. um, If you're a single person and you're not in a relationship prior to going into recovery, I absolutely get that. If you, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, you know. For me, I needed to not be in relationship. I needed to uh, decompress. I needed to... Um, evolve I needed to you know let the ice melt I needed to thaw out and do do me just me and so and and the thought process behind this and it's it's very intriguing is that if you do therapy as well as recovery so if you do couples therapy you'll evolve together and so you can you can still be in relationship because there is potentially a space and it might be that this happens anyway when you're in therapy but there's a real potential that there's going to be an evolution for the couple for the relationship rather than doing things separately and not working on your relationship that then needs to rebuild this trust. 
So if the desire is, uh, you know, each to do their own recovery journey, which is absolutely fine and is definitely what's needed. So they're doing their own recovery. They're working their own program or they're seeing a coach or they're in community or whatever it looks like, whatever is helping that individual. That doing therapy together is really essential and key to be able to move through and into a different space and a different dynamic to what is used to. And really, because when you're evolving, you don't, you know, everyone's at different stages, going through different things at different times. So when you're in that relationship bubble, it makes it really safe when you're having therapy in that space as well. And the other thing is that there is something called addiction trauma. And that looks like, for instance, someone goes to a meeting, the partner stays at home, that person that's gone to a meeting or or a coaching session or whatever it looks like, then goes out to have coffee with someone else, with other members or whatever it is. The partner left at home then gets super anxious, worries so much because they're wondering where their partner is and what they've done is gone out for coffee but in the head of the partner is this real trauma that's been triggered because they haven't been communicated to properly or they haven't been told that they're going, they've gone for coffee. They're thinking they've gone out and they got, they've got drunk again. So, you know, having that element put in there as well is really worth noting especially if you are the one in recovery and really start feeling and thinking about your partner who has probably been through the mill and really needs some reassurance that you are okay and not out drinking or using or whatever it is, whatever addiction it is. And then what happens is there is a mistrust and a trauma that really kicks up so it really does need to be this uh trans there needs to be transparency and there needs to be honesty in this so you know really take in mind if you are in recovery whether it's romantic partner whether it's friends whether it's parents that Maybe it's getting frustrating because they're always asking you where you are or what you're doing. And maybe it's because they have addiction trauma. Because ultimately what comes with that is this, this secondhand addiction, which is codependency. So I'm not going to talk too much on that, but when I heard that, when I learned that, it was uh, it blew my mind because it made sense. It made a lot of sense. You know, and ultimately that's because there's been so many broken promises, there's been so much self-doubt and um, deception that's occurred in active use, in active use disorder. So really bear that in mind when you're – broaching things when you know when you're getting contacted a lot or people finding out where you are just you know make a note of that that it's okay and that the fact that this could be 
trauma due to the addiction. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's probably come up for you already or, you know, that you've seen it, but just noting that it's not people just trying to find out where you are. Like they literally have been traumatized by the whole process. And that's not to make anyone feel uncomfortable or, well, maybe it does, right? But it's to really just allow you to sit with that and see that there really does need to be a transparency and an honesty in a relationship that needs to be repaired because of and due to addiction and substance use disorder. And so loved ones really need to see a change in commitment from you. And so being honest and transparent is obviously a really good way to do that and the way forward to do that. And the other the other thing is consistency. So it that really does demonstrate dedication that you have to this new life, this new path, dedication to your recovery, dedication to sobriety, and dedication ultimately to then that relationship, the relationship that you have with yourself and the relationship you have with others. So really being consistent and saying or doing what you say you're going to do will go miles absolute miles and of course we've got making an amends um now I don't know about you but I know that that for me started to rebuild the fractures or recast the fractures that had been made in my relationships uh, especially with my parents and even though it was really hard to do because uh, they didn't necessarily want to hear my amends. Not because they didn't want to hear it, but because they felt uncomfortable. And so that was okay. And we talk about it a lot now uh, and, um, and just how beautiful our relationship is these days. It is yeah, it's very beautiful, very, very beautiful. Um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't change the closeness that I have with them, even though they're in a completely different country. But I speak to them every week and I speak to them on um, WhatsApp as well. So I'm constantly in contact with them. And they also know the work that I'm doing here, right, as well. So that... And obviously boundaries is like, it's so key. Uh, And yeah, I speak about boundaries in probably every single episode. Uh, And that's just because I did not have them. And I am pretty sure I'm not the only one that didn't have them. And so um, really just respecting boundaries, respecting other people's boundaries. So not crossing any lines, not blurring the lines. If the lines start to feel blurred or that you feel that you've crossed them, then, you know, that's the time to make an amends or to come back and have a discussion about, okay, the lines feel a bit blurred. Where can we go here from now on? Uh, So really that is just rebuilding that trust, uh, that showing respect, that you have respect for somebody else's boundaries Um, and, you know, ultimately your own as well. 
Now, the next part is we're building trust. And I guess we flow, you know, we flow really beautifully into that because the boundaries that we have with ourselves are really going to align with, um, you know, other people as well. Like how we treat ourselves is going to be how we treat others. And so allowing yourself not to, uh, to respect your own boundaries, to first of all know what they are. Um, and if you haven't listened to it, I, I have a boundaries um, and a consent episode that you can you can pop on to if you'd like uh, and yeah so forgiveness to self huge huge part huge part of it and you know really that comes down to that self-compassion of knowing your past knowing the things that you have done and said and the way that you've behaved and you know that they haven't been appropriate and just really starting to build that trust with self again to understand what forgiveness looks like for you. Because we go into, um, and again, this goes into back into the, the boundaries discussion that I've had many times before, and that is when we actually when we actually cross a line or we don't, let's say we, we don't and we're just completely flimsy with our, uh, with our boundaries and we just say yes to everything and everyone which I think can happen a lot early on in our sober journey. So saying yes to everyone and everything. And then um, what happens is, you may have noticed this already, then what happens is is we then flick to the other side. So we're what's called anxious attached. And then we flip to avoidant, which is saying absolutely no to everyone. Now, the reason that, that can happen, that there's such a flick of the switch, is because we don't trust ourselves and we get really angry at ourselves because we've said yes to everything. So then we switch it up and we go, oh, I'm going to fucking say no to everyone because I'm, I'm pissed off that everyone keeps walking over me. Like, how dare they? And you know, that then causes a rupture within the self because what's really happening is that you're you're pretty resentful at yourself because you've allowed that to happen because you never had any boundaries. And so, you know, it's a really swift way of learning secure attachment, which is right in the middle of when to say no, when to say yes, when to say maybe, and allowing yourself time to make decisions rather than on the spot. You know, it's all part of part of the boundaries part and the consent part too. Patience, having so much patience with yourself. And that's what I was saying just now then with that, you know, taking time to respond. I mean, not not procrastination or going into avoidance, but taking to the right amount of time for you to respond to a question and saying, is it okay if I get back to you on that? Uh, and give them a time frame. Can I get back to you tomorrow on that? Can I get back to you on Thursday, Friday, whenever? And just allowing that person to, um, you know, fully see you with your boundaries. And there's, you know, an immense amount of trust in that, in trusting yourself to be able to do that and set the boundaries that are really healthy and and in alignment with you. Um, Setting yourself small achievable goals. 
So just setting goals to rebuild that trust with yourself. What do you need to build trust back with yourself? Is it not to go to a certain place or location? Um, You know, is it that you need to rebuild trust because there's a lot of shame there? Um, You know, again, we delve into other spaces with all of this as well. And, of course, having a really beautiful supportive network is really handy and helpful in any of this to help you start to trust yourself again and being able to, you know, have tools and encouragement to rebuild and regain trust. It's really, really important. So, you know, having some self-reflection on perhaps when you didn't feel that you trusted yourself and having some self-reflection on when you absolutely knew 100% that you trusted yourself with the decision that you made. You know, in really embracing that vulnerability as well, that self-compassion. Because ultimately this trust with ourself isn't just in relationship to other people. It's in everything. It's in career opportunities or choices. It's in, you know, your own personal growth and development. So trusting yourself And I think as well, trusting yourself when things don't go right or you feel like you've uh, placed, you know, too much trust in something and coming back to your own self and sitting with the grief or the heartbreak or whatever it is because of that process and just really learning from it. Because And then that's such a good way of taking responsibility for your actions. Whether or not it worked out, it's still a trust that you had in yourself and then taking responsibility for that decision creates a huge amount of trust in yourself. So the accountability just really builds self-trust. It, it builds that because of the impact. You see the impact of your choices and you don't just bypass it and just think, well, that was a risky move. It's like, right, okay, I see the impact of the choice that I made and, you know, I f- fully trusted myself in that to be able to move forward. It didn't work out. However, you know, I still trust. I still trust that that was the decision, the right decision for me at that time. And you know, maybe something comes up for you in that time, in that moment, but you're able to learn from it. So, really having that accountability, and it doesn't mean that everything has to go perfectly, right? To be able to have self trust, it doesn't at all. And that's again, that's how we kind of you know start dating again, or start looking for jobs again, or whatever it is. 
it's learning to do that. But again, you know, there needs to be this consistency of being really aware of um, of that. And, and again, patience, having huge patience with yourself and situations and choices and knowing that whether or not it's it's something that's worked out totally, that it's okay, you know, having that self-compassion again. So, again, like all of this, having that trust of self um, is really going to impact and be so helpful for um, regaining trust after, um, after addiction and in recovery. So I hope that has helped somebody somewhere to really sit with that and um, have a think about those theories. And ultimately, if you are in a relationship uh, with someone who is in recovery, I hope that's helped you too, just to discover some of those things that might be coming up for you as well in terms of how do I trust them again? What is it that I need to do? Um, And ultimately, if there is any, you know, fallout from the addiction, being so gentle and compassionate with yourself to understand that it's trauma that that has occurred because and due to addiction. And so my loves, uh, as always, I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. I love you very, very much. I have got so many courses um, that I've been sitting in the background creating and um, I'm sure I will get to talk about those uh, very, very soon. But for now, if you need any support, if you want to reach out to me, please feel free to do that at my my email and my um, website are in the link provided and um, I love you very very much have a wonderful day